Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Kevin Johnson program. This is episode 29. We'd like to thank you so much for listening. And we have an exciting episode today because this is the first time I'm speaking to uh, people that I have no connection with. And I'm very interested to find out to learn more about them. This is the Miami-based improvisational troupe known as the Society Circus Players. Once again, that is the Society Circus Players. I'd like to introduce four of them to you right now. I have Allie on the phone. Hi. And then next we have Dash. Hello. After that, we have Char. Hello. And then we finish off with Carlos. Of course, of course. Now, once again, this is the Society Circus Players. They are an improvisational troupe based out of Miami. So if anyone wants to go first in reference to how the players got together, how did how did this all, you know, come together? The origin story? Uh, yeah. We uh so we actually started about six years ago. Um when Allie and I, this is Dash talking. Okay. When Allie and I joined a group called um, uh, Invention Negative, Theater. Negative four months. Negative four months. Negative four months, which was a part of a bigger company called Invention Theater. And through a series of unfortunate events, that group ended up uh, breaking down, uh, mostly due to just poor ownership in general. Um, so Allie, myself, and a few other players started Society Circus Players, um, just so that we can start off fresh with a new name, a new group, uh, new ideas, a new direction, you know, and kind of stay away from the group that we were already a part of. Yeah, and we're celebrating four years, five years this August, so our our official beginning was, I guess, August, August 2014. 2014, yeah. yeah. So... Just to talk a little bit about that, the longevity of a group itself. So were there certain things that you learned that you uh, kept yourself together this long? Um, Society Circus Players has changed, actually. I think there's only three original yeah. founding members left. Um, we've had some members move to Chicago, um, and they're pursuing improv and acting Okay. Now, do you have a specific place of residence? Now, I'm, I'm not talking about just, um, just. I know you're based out of Miami, but do you have a specific place of residency, a place that you perform more often than others on like a, either a weekly basis? Uh, yeah, our, our home venue actually used to be the Just a Funny Theater uh, down in uh, the Coral Gables uh, area of Miami. Um, we've recently taken a little break from them just to pursue other venues, other ideas, different locations, because part of it was that we felt that being, renting space from another theater, um, kind of pigeonholed us to being a part of that theater. Uh, whereas if we were able to find another venue and another location, we could do whatever show we wanted, 
um, and people wouldn't associate us as much, and we could take our own identity. Right, yeah, right now we don't have a specific place, but we have two or three different locations that we kind of circumnavigate. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right now we're just taking a lot of opportunities that have come our way recently, which is super exciting. Yeah. And we still have members that are parts of different troops, some of which uh, play at JTF still, some play in other troops, so... Okay, so in this particular sense, they're not necessarily exclusive to you, or I—I I mean, do you have um, do you have that uh, possessive mentality that says no, you're mine, you should, you can only perform with us, or is there like a, 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 a do they sign a contract saying that you know we we don't have exclusivity with you? No, absolutely not. We actually try to encourage. We actually try to encourage our players to uh, perform at different venues and as much as they can, take different workshops. Shar uh, here is actually one of the, Shar uh, and Carlos both play for Just the Funny. Yeah, I actually started in club at Just the Funny. That's where I originally took classes and became a cast member there. And that was my only improv theater. Um, and that's when I, and I'm still a cast member there. And I still perform there, but uh, that's actually where I met Josh originally and how I got introduced to the other societies for the player cast and ended up auditioning. Um, so I think the whole like improv community really does encourage like playing together. Yeah. We do, like our last show was a, like a battle frog with another local, local improv troupe. So, I mean, it's really just fun to play. It's not, you know, nobody wins unless everybody has fun. Nobody wins unless everybody wins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, okay. uh, it's Carl's. It, it, it is beautiful. I hate to sound poetic, but it is beautiful the way the improv community comes together. Uh, if you ever go to an, uh, an improv festival, uh, you'll see the, so much support uh, from people near and far, from different troops, and, and some of, many of those members, just like uh, Shara and I, we share the same story with regard to uh, having started at Just the Funny doing improv. Uh, and moving into other troops and staying connected with Just the Funny, moving on, c- connecting with other troops. It's, it's a beautiful thing to see artists supporting each other, supporting that growth. And there is growth in, in exercising uh, the opportunities for variety. Um, just like personalities in your circle of friends change or evolve or grow, that same kind of thing happens as you develop your art. And... In so doing, you develop the friendships as well, and you can create those bonds even across state lines and countries and all that. And I know it sounds a little bit mushy, uh, tree hugging hippie, but it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Good, good. <laughs> kumbaya, kumbaya. Exactly. And actually, Dash and I um, just did a show with a group called Front Yard Theater Collective, and they've been around uh, Miami for quite a long time. So. Yeah, I mean, I think playing with any other group is is good for developing your own skills and developing relationships and all of that stuff. So let's take a step back because for those of us that don't know, give them a breakdown of improvisation itself. For what I know or from what I've... My background is in theater, but uh, okay. improvisation, of course... From my standpoint, improvisation has always been for us just going off the top of our head without a script. But 
you know, due to the fact that you do different types of improv, short form and long form, give us a breakdown or give us a definition of what improvisation is. Anybody. Uh, okay, this is Dash. Um, so improvisation, just the way that I explain it to most people, is it's acting without lying. Yeah, I mean, exactly I mean, what you said is, is the gist of it. Yeah, you're doing a play without lying. Um, but then comes the next question, which is how do you practice for improv if it's all made up? Um, Which actually, we get that question a lot. Yeah. Like, I feel like when you tell somebody, "Oh, I'm an improviser, but I can't," you know, I can't hang out tonight and have rehearsal. They're like, "What do you mean you rehearsed? I thought you just made it all up." Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and usually, what I tell people is, it's kind of like any other sport that you would go to practice, right? Like, you don't know what's going to happen during a baseball game. You don't know what's going to happen during a football game, but you can practice the skills for it. So that when it comes time to the game, you can have a good game. Same thing with improv is, yes, it's just acting without lines, but you learn certain skills that will help you have a more entertaining show. Yeah, I think we definitely, I feel like instead of maybe, a, I don't know, maybe it comes off like we practice jokes or how to, how to be funny. But it's a lot about practicing openness and just like being in a moment or... Right you know, leaning into a character. Right. And just like... And just being in a room with other people yeah. interacting with them. And which I think it's so yeah. important. And, and we don't do that in normal life. Yeah, which is right. adjusting and responding and, you know, not necessarily like, you know, how to grab yeah. a punchline. You know, we're connecting and gelling with each other. And it's, it's one of those things where in real life conversations, you're just kind of waiting for your turn to speak. Whereas um, with improv um you're learning how to make that conversation go further than just oh here's my next story right um, one of one of the greatest things ever is if you're ever an outsider in a room of improvisers while they're having a conversation it's the funniest thing ever because it's almost like every conversation is in itself an improv piece we will just keep heightening each other's stories to make them funnier and funnier and funnier, and if you're an outsider, you're completely lost. Mm-hmm. Mm. Something else uh, critical, absolutely critical uh, to our rehearsals is that we rehearse uh, formats. Uh, yes, we're improvising. We never know what's going to happen next. As a matter of fact, uh, we feed off of the audience in a performance. We will feed off the audience to get uh, suggestions in order to inspire us to do whatever it is we're going to do next. But it's unheard of to use the same suggestion. Like you might always get bicycle if a letter right. B comes up. You are the, the you're the bad guy, and I've never actually even seen it that bicycle gets used the same way again. Right. Right. You're always going to do it a different way. But what must happen the same way in order for um, for the continuity of each piece, which is distinctive from each other piece, is that you have a different format, which is to say a different game or a different structure to how you're going to uh, create these these uh, artistic pieces, these, these scenes, how we're going to piece together these scenes, whether they be ridiculous and silly or they be very uh, short and and, and, uh, and uh, almost dreams, dreamlike, or if they sound 
uh, appear to be like a narrative, as if they're watching a movie or a sitcom or something like that. They can vary uh, greatly, and those formats get rehearsed. If you've ever seen Whose Line Is It Anyway, you'll know that sometimes they're dealing with props. Sometimes they're dealing in only questions. Sometimes they're dealing in whatever it might be that goes around music. That's right, having that musical in front, which is so much fun, and yet so challenging. All of those different formats we have to rehearse so that when it comes to performance time, the audience doesn't have to waste any time while we figure things out. No, we'll we'll be inspired and make it happen because we know the format. All the other blanks have to be filled in. And there is such a thing as bad improv. (laughs) That's the thing that happens. I remember watching an improv show that I I finished my set earlier in the night, so I decided to sit in the audience for a Herald show. Um, And it was a Herald student show. And uh, Harold is a format of improv that's very improviser-friendly, but not very audience-friendly. Yeah. And I remember sitting behind a couple, and the guy turns to her, uh, to the lady he was with, and he said, what the hell did you bring me to? <laughs> <laughs> and so there is such a thing as bad improv. So um, it, as much as it's just a play without lines, it's, uh, it's a lot more than that. Yeah, if you've ever gone to a jazz performance and wondered, what the hell did you bring me to? Yeah, there's some people that understand jazz at its very most complex level or most jazzy level, and others that would rather it be a little bit more like what you hear on the radio. Well, yeah, improv can get that way. Those damn artists. <laughs> okay. Now, I understand with most improv troops, when you read their bio, well, well some... Uh, performers or players, uh, you're coming from different backgrounds. So like, for instance, um, you know, some people are lawyers and then some people are architects or some people are, are different trades. So like, for instance, Ali, what was your, what is your background or where, where, where were you coming from? In real life, I'm a college professor. <laughs> okay. What do you, what do yeah. you, uh, what do, what do you teach? Oh, nice, nice. Yep. And Dash? Uh, in real life, I work for the same college. Uh, I'm a uh, the technical title is media coordinator, but I basically handle all the internal marketing for the college. Um, I'm also a, uh, a longtime professional wrestler uh, and uh, an artist. Okay, all right. And Shar, go ahead. Data analyst. I work on the revenue and performance management. Ah, and Carlos? Oh, I'm just like them. No, <laughs> Carlos actually has the most interesting job out of all of us. I'm a retired. I'm a, re- I'm a retired soldier. Uh, my, my performance yeah. comes from having, I say performance, the, the sense of performance or whatever you want to call it, uh, as far as performing goes. I was a, uh, I was a tuba player with the 13th Army Band, the National Guard Band. Woo! Uh, 16 of my 23 years of National Guard military service, which pretty much prepared me perfectly for acting like a fool on stage. Uh, I mean, if you play, but you've already made a fool decision. I'm all about making fool decisions. (laughs) But now I am a firefighter. I I save cats. Or whatever it's called upon, you know. Um, Yeah, I believe it or not, I'm, I'm that sexy guy on the calendar. Interesting. So basically what happens is that, I mean, what happens if uh, you're on stage and then you get called away for an emergency? Then I should have been at work. (laughs) I only do improv on my off days. Okay. All right. My skills are pretty pretty nice 
safety that you couldn't possibly have trained for. The, the same mentality to get um, to get a scene to be successful in improv. That same mentality of I can do this, and I have all the tools that I need, and the confidence that I need, and I have the support of my team players. That same mentality comes through whether it's an emergency situation or not. Yeah, believe it or not. And I think that's true of teaching as well. Yeah. Um, I've been teaching in some capacity for a lo- let's just say a long time, um, and improv has definitely made me a better teacher. Um, I'm better at thinking on my feet. I'm better at improvising things to do in the classroom. I'm better at listening to students. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's not just fun, but it's also good life skills. Oh, for sure. I actually um, I always notice that the way I am in improv at any given time kind of reflects where I am in life, which is more of that kumbaya stuff. But uh, <laughs> like if I'm I'm not listening or I'm like not energetic or it, it kind of becomes reflective of where I am. Um, and so the kind of characters I end up playing are like the kind of notes I end up getting, which are like, you know, like be committed or do this or maybe like why you know don't be so confrontational. Don't be so confrontational, and it's like oh my, that's so weird. Like I yelled at a bunch of people for no reason, <laughs> and here I am doing it as another character. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, but I think it's really it's a. Uh, I mean, I think everybody is a work in progress, so it's, it's really interesting to like kind of zoom out and see yourself as you are already, but in like the form of a different character, maybe. Okay. And it's funny, uh, speaking about uh, you, Dash, uh, being a professional wrestler, I'm sure that takes a lot of improvisation because, of course, you have to deal with another partner in a match. And then also, uh, do you um, do any promo work? Yes, actually. I I actually feel like, uh, well, because I was doing professional wrestling a long time before I started doing improv. Uh, I think I had been doing pro wrestling for about 12 years, uh, 12 or 13 years before I started doing improv. So I feel like it's the other way around. The professional wrestling helped me mm-hmm. uh, improv. Um, but uh, it, yeah, there's a, with promo work, there's a, there's a lot of improvisation there. With, uh, with being in the ring, there's a lot of improvisation because sometimes your uh, ring partner forgets what they're supposed to be doing. And you have to improvise. Sometimes something goes off, quote-unquote, script, and you need to improvise that as well. Uh, I will tell you this. Professional wrestlers who have not been trained as improv, not as good as hmm. ones who have. Not as good at all. There's a lot of, there's, I, I draw a lot of parallels between improv and professional wrestling because of the way we address an audience, the way um, nothing is really scripted. You kind of have a format that you need to follow, but how you get from point A to point B is completely up to you. Um, there, there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff that parallels. Uh, well, the major difference between improv and pro wrestling is that pro wrestling is very egocentric. Everybody's got an ego. Everybody's looking out for themselves. Personas, uh, yes. You know, take their shots. Uh, you know, they're going to take theirs regardless. Uh, but with improv, it's not about you. It's about your partner. Right. Um, So let's break down the Society Circus players themselves in the sense of how did the name come about 
and also what is the difference between your troop as opposed to you know what the other troops in South Florida have to offer? Didn't roll trippingly off the tongue. Huh? Doesn't necessarily roll trippingly off the tongue as opposed to society circus players. Because we yeah. said something 
controversial or dirty or or blue on stage, you know? Because now everything is out in the open. Everything is open for discussion. Uh, it Correct. just seems that um, things that you do in your personal life are now affecting your trades, and uh, you have to be careful about that. Right. Mm. Yeah. The other thing that makes us different too is, uh, and this we this we decided we wanted to do from the start. This is the thing that makes us uh, different from all the other troops. Number one, we're all very sexy. Every single one of us. So do you wait for, uh, you know, positions to open in order to hold auditions or do you, how do you like uh, pick your members? Uh, we've done it a few different ways. We've had auditions a couple of times and this, this is going way back even before we were Society Circus. I mean, I, audi- I, I didn't audition, but Dash auditioned, um, Shar auditioned, um, a lot of times a conversation sometimes it's like okay we're gonna have auditions and see if we can get people that we don't necessarily know about in the community um i went through a probationary period of sorts with society of circus players yeah i, still, I joined it i'm still on thin ice as, <laughs> as, it, as it is right now but um then, yeah I, I just offered to uh join rehearsals and uh and be available for performances as as they saw fit uh just to be able to uh Speaking about probationary uh, periods, I know that some uh, groups will do like audits where they will, you know, invite the people to come in and pay like a nominal fee uh, in order to either, you know, drop in or watch or, or, uh, you know, get some classes. Do you do anything like that with like workshops and classes for people who are interested? Uh, one class per month. We did that in the past 
somebody wants to come and hang out, that's totally fine with me. Um, And I really think that that's kind of the point of improv, is that it should be accessible, it should be of the people, it should be something that doesn't cost a ton of money. Right. The deal is we are are an official company, and we do perform shows for profit. and we pay dividends out to our players who are in those shows. Um, so, so it's not just like, hey, everybody come play with us. Um, we, it's more like an invite thing, you know. Then we, uh, what's the best way to say this? Um, we want to make sure that the players we have are also comfortable with the players that are coming in. So, for example, Carlos, who recently joined us, um, he asked me, he said, hey, sometimes I'm free on Thursday night. Can I uh, can I come play with you guys? And uh, we said, yes, come play with us. But first, got to ask the group, make sure they're okay with it. Uh, most of the group already knew Carlos from just the funny where he played, and nobody had any real objections to it. So we said, yeah, Carlos, come, come play with us, and then, uh, you know, we need you for shows and whatever. We'll, we'll put you in. Uh, there, there are six of us who make up the main performance cast, and we have two alternate players, which are Carlos and uh, another wonderful player that came on board the same time as Carlos and Brett. Um, yeah, my major rule, and, and this is sort of something that's been developed over, you know, growing teams of, of a company and a team, uh, but I, I like to say anybody in this room, anybody on this team is more important than anybody outside of it. So as long as everybody on the team is comfortable with uh, another person coming in or uh, a big decision that we're going to make, then um, I'm cool with going ahead and, and moving forward with that. But if somebody's not comfortable, um, they're more important than whatever that other thing is. So we, we just want to make sure that everybody's taken care of. Uh, unlike in, in perhaps in uh, you know theater or TV or movies, sure, you're acting very in very similar ways to the audience, but you're very vulnerable on stage, oh, yeah. and you you have to have that trust of the other players, and that doesn't come easily. Um, you're very vulnerable. You don't know what's going to come next, what the other player is going to uh, present on stage, what the other player is going to present as a situation that you will have to react to, and that vulnerability means that, that trust has to be the underlying uh, foundation. Um, otherwise, it's going to be a very difficult and uncomfortable situation and, and relationship that will grow from that. Uh, what you want to have is a, a loving, trusting relationship, undoubtedly. Otherwise, no good improv will come from having distrust on stage. Well, you go into an interesting topic because I know now, and since you speak that you have women in your cast... Uh, we're going into, or we are now into a specific area these days with the certain movements that are um, empowering to women, such as the Me Too movement and the Time's Up movement. And there seemed to have been an incident that happened um, probably, I want to say, a year or two ago with a certain troop uh i won't mention names but i'm sure that you know you probably were aware of it that uh there was a call in reference to harassment and of course the troop itself 
Um, I don't necessarily know what came of it, but it begs the question in reference to, you know, how you, you know, go about approaching these things within the improv community, uh, dealing with, you know, harassment on either side, whether you be a man or a woman, um, you know, do you, what, uh, what your take on that is. Yeah, I, I do remember, um, a few separate incidents that happened and I remember we went to rehearsal, um, Dash and I are the, the president and vice president of the company. Um, and so we went and we said, look, even though nothing has happened, we need to have this conversation. Um, and that's what we did. We just talked about, you know, what is everybody comfortable with? What is everybody not comfortable with? What are the lines that we cannot cross? Mm-hmm. Um, and we've never had an issue, but also we're being proactive to make sure that we don't. I, I've never felt um, unsafe with anybody that I play with on stage. Um, and I would hope that if somebody did feel unsafe, that we've established an environment where we could talk about that. And we have in rehearsals. We stopped and we said, okay, this thing happened. Let's talk about, you know, was it funny? Was it not funny? Why did we make this choice? What, what might have been a better choice? Um, and so there is a lot of conversation that happens uh, in our rehearsals sometimes. Good, good. Another thing uh, is, uh, go ahead, uh, please. Earlier, I'm sorry. Go ahead. We talked about vulnerability and trust earlier, and that's at least within our group. I think that we have some pretty good communication outside of the rehearsals themselves, outside of the time that we're spent uh, practicing the craft. We we have good conversations before and after as as we go through, and that builds that trust. And, uh, and that understanding that we're not coming from any kind of evil place, that we're channeling something that might start to get somewhat controversial and within a scene, that, that trust is built by understanding each other, just like you would in any, any other uh, social group or any group that you live in. We kind of mirror society in that we are also humans that live, you know, in the world. Yeah. we live in the real world and we come yeah. together. Um, the difference being that we choose to be together just like you would in social circles or or um, or something like that. You know, we're on a team of sorts. Of, we're on a team that gets to choose who we associate with in such a vulnerable and intimate way. Yeah. Sorry to sound again so serious. <laughs> no, but I, th- I think it, it, it definitely is like a, uh, a real situation and I appreciate that people are open and talking about it and um it is kind of like following where we are in society um but it definitely i think with the theater group and with doing you know with being in an act that's like very physical and you know you're playing somebody else and finding those boundaries um i think there are some solid lines that are never to be crossed and I, I don't you know I think it's important that we differentiate between like what is an art form and what is just societal crossing of boundaries and I don't think there is any blurriness blurriness there at all yeah and I, I know those conversations are happening elsewhere as well which I think is, is great um, you know if anything good came out of bad situation it's that 
you know, now we're aware and, and those conversations are happening and they're happening much more openly. And I think that's only going to make the community better and safer. Well, pulling back on what Shar was saying about art forms, um, I know that from when I was coming in, uh, Just the Funny was very was a purveyor of letting the masses know that improvisation is an art form of theater as well as traditional theater, and it should be respected and taken seriously. And it seems that in the past few years, with the improvisational market here, of course, you have a lot of troops that have come and gone, but it just seems that now most people are putting in the theater uh, aspect in even their names just to let, you know, you know, the populace know that improvisation is theater as well. It is live performance. So, um, how are you, you know, promoting to let people know that there's not only just traditional theater, but improvisational theater as well. And it should be taken seriously and it should be respected. with the marketing is trying to get us out of the stigma that movies and TV like to stick on improv. Um, there are a lot of jokes uh, in movies and stuff where it's like, oh man, my friend Greg invited me to his improv show. Like making it sound like it's something totally lame and you're not going to enjoy. Right. right. It's something you sit through. Um, so it's been my attempt to try to get us away from that. Uh, the, the themes really help. The other thing is that on every flyer, on every piece of advertising, we always advertise it as improvised comedy theater, right? So that it's not just improv. Also, here in Miami, we have a place called the Miami Improv. So when you tell people I do improv, a lot of times they think that we do stand up, right? Yeah. So it's it's we try to differentiate from that, you know? Um, For me, one of the things I love most about improv is that, uh, and my, it, this is true of my theater as well, it is an experience, um, but in my theater, you're meant to give people the same experience every time they go to the show, as opposed to in improv, where you're giving people a unique experience every time. You could go right. to the same troops improv show three different nights in a row and you're going to see three different totally different shows um it is a, a way of making history actually you're making history in a room with other human beings and nobody else on the entire planet is ever going to get to experience that thing that you all made together and to me that's the best part of it one of the first times that Ali and I first um hung out uh, after an improv rehearsal, we were talking about um, like what she liked about improv so much, and she compared it to a sunrise in the way that you could watch a sunrise and you will never see that same sunrise again, and it's there's something sort of magical about that, and that improv is exactly the same way because improv is chaos and improv can go in any direction at any time. You're never going to see the same improv show twice ever hmm. um that's that's something we try to sell to people like hey you're going to be 
part of this completely unique experience that no one will ever be a part of again. Okay. Now, whenever, go ahead. Uh, online, I'm sorry. Uh, whenever I promote online, I make sure to throw in at least once every other time. I try to make sure to throw in, like, whose line is it anyway? Because that might be the only exposure yeah. people have ever had yeah. to improv is that television show, which is so similar to what we do, or at least to that feeling that we get uh, when we're at an improv show. Yeah, the marketing tool is to bring in something familiar. So, for yeah. of course, for those people who are not aware of improv and you want to put in the whole whose line is it anyway uh, aesthetic in there, they'll be like, oh, okay, so that's it. And I'm sure that that uh, is a part of the draw. Um, another question I had was... Have you now you say that uh, you're, uh, you know, building to, uh, you know, perform at different festivals. So I take it that you have performed out of town before. reference to doing these shows out of town how much fundraising is involved i mean do you go out and you sell m&ms or, or what do you do <laughs> no we sell skittles actually yeah. <laughs> we eat m&ms we, M &M, we sell the skittles yeah. yeah we try to we try to offset the cost um however we can like i said we um we we are a company so we do make profit at the shows a lot of times the shows themselves will be what funds our eventual trips. Um, the, with the tour of Michigan, we charged for one of the shows that we did up there, so that helped pay off uh, some of the, uh, the the costs of having to go up. Yeah, we used the money that we made from a show basically to pay for a rental car. Right. So we didn't Ooh. have to put the rental car. So, yeah, and we paid dividends to people. Like, we paid for DMs for people to go up. Yeah. Um, we, we have money is a company that we try to use to either make ourselves better or to give our players incentive as much as we can. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we try to give at least a little bit of money. Obviously, you know, $75 in New York City doesn't go very far, but it's, it's something. Right, of course. Yeah, and we're lucky in that we're all, you know, adults and we're all professionals who have jobs that pay enough money for us to be able to Right, but when you do your regular shows, um, I'm under the assumption that if the house is great, then everybody gets a piece. But if the house is not so great, then you know you're walking away with you know McDonald's money. Is that? Right. Well, we all we the, the way it works is we um we pull the money together and then we all kind of come to consensus on what that's going to be used for. Um, so there are times that we do shows and yeah, there's an envelope at the end where we split the price. Um, and then sometimes 
that'll go and we'll all agree like, well, we need t-shirts and then we'll sell the t-shirts, right? Or, yeah, we'd love to have stickers with our logo on it. So we put the money towards that. Or, hey, we've got this festival coming up, so don't pay me. We'll just use the money to offset the cost of the trip. Okay. So it's kind of, yeah. I'm glad that you uh, have that understanding between yourselves because I'm sure that you have stories with, you know, working with other troops where you have people in there that are for themselves and they want to be paid for their work. Um, right. So it's always nice to have that. To... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I was trying to say that everybody should get paid. You know, we, we strongly believe in people getting paid for the work that they do. Um, the, the thing is that we're lucky to be part of a troop where everybody wants the troop to succeed more than making a couple of bucks for working an improv show. Okay. So everybody's, everybody's working towards making the troop better. I've had times where I've given checks out to some of our players, and they've given them right back to me and said, no, put it towards the troop. Oh, so, great. Yeah, so it's a beautiful thing. We're all, we're all, you know, looking to grow society circus players as much as we can. So just... For me, I think... Go ahead. The definition is more to a hobby than a career or a profession or, you know, a source of income. Just like anyone else would spend a little bit of, of their of their hard-earned dollars and their day job to spend it on enjoying a hobby and growing through that hobby. Uh, and in my case, um, from the job and the things I saw on the job when I joined improv, it, it was a source of therapy, really. And again, not to sound dramatic, but I'm sure everyone has a, a, a has their own challenges in their life that going to improv just like doing any other art like painting or or sculpture or anything else being able to have an outlet an artistic outlet a place where you can uh where you can channel your energy and your thoughts and your focus into uh an art form is is a therapy for me i i would pay money uh, don't don't let these guys here surrounding this table let them know. You know. Don't let them know that I would pay money to be here to be able to to uh, take part in this beautiful hobby. Up oh, too late. <laughs> <laughs> too late for that. <laughs> well, um, any form you do it because you love it, and yeah, why? Well, it would be amazing if we could, you know, market that to millions of people and have it work. But that's great, but I, I don't. I can't think of any like musician or you know painter or any other type of artist would, that would say, you know, I'm doing it for the cash. Right. Yeah. yeah, and that goes across any any great even industry or think of every NFL, you know, uh, football player. For every one football player that makes a living doing it, there are thirty to forty thousand football players that are busting their hump playing football every weekend and breaking bones yeah. and they love doing it and don't get a dime for it you know college players and and, and, and uh club sports you know uh, or basketball or any other sport or professional uh, wrestlers yeah or professional wrestlers yeah <laughs> which i also don't get paid for <laughs> sometimes sometimes i get paid well, how this all happened is that I came to be part of a Facebook group, uh, South Florida Actor Support, 
and I put out a post saying that I have a podcast and Ali posted saying, hey, if you want to talk to improvisers, let me know. So thank you, Ali, for you know putting this together and everyone taking the time out of their schedules in order to speak with me on this. Um, this is nice because once again, most of the episodes that we have, and I'm not trying to do a shameless plug, but hey, we'll do a shameless plug. Most of the episodes that we've had uh, have been creatives or people that I've had connections with. And full disclosure, I am a producer of live performance. I recruit a variety of performers for different types of programming through entertainment, and it's all local talent. So we've had uh, actors and musicians and dancers and how I, I've actually had a couple of improv troops that have participated in my programs. And just to wrap this up, I wanted to ask each of you what your take on how can the South Florida improv scene be better? Because like I said, we have a lot of troops now uh, going from Villain to Speakeasy that Jeff Quintana has, the Front Yard Theater Collective. You have Mod 27 up in West Palm Beach. You've got Just the Funny. So, so how now that there's this burst of improv troops that are on the scene, how can... Uh, the South Florida improv scene or the market itself, you know, stand uh, with the other fluid markets like Chicago, you know, like a Midwest. Interesting. Um, I think uh, improv, the scene, can take a lesson from improv, the art, which is don't make it about you. Support your scene partner. You know, we all get better if we're all working together because if it's, hey, we're the best improv team. No, we're the best improv No, we're the best improv team. Then everybody's just kind of trying to get their own feet off the ground. Whereas if we all work together to make improv a thing, then people will know about it and we can crush that stigma. I honestly didn't even know live improv was a thing that existed in Miami until one of my friends was in the show and invited me to come along. And it makes me sad sometimes that I have so many friends and improv is this beautiful, wonderful thing where you are just laughing with a room full of people and it's an experience you're never going to share again. And, and everybody I know is missing it because they're not there, you know? Yeah, I actually think improv has a ton of opportunity here. Because just lifestyle-wise, I think a lot of the kind of things we do here is very like eating or drinking or going to the beach. And mm-hmm. that sounded very stereotypical. But as far as things we do, it, it, it's hard to find something that, you know, doesn't really involve, you know, well, one of the books that I just mentioned. But I think it's really, it's really nice to have a night out that is something special you can do with somebody yeah. without, you know, having, like, a DJ blaring behind you. Right. Where you can actually yeah, yeah, talk it's, and laugh and share yeah. a real moment. And so while we're not Chicago or New York or, or L.A., um, it's a very unique experience here, and I encourage everybody sure. to, to come enjoy it, and I think people around here are always looking 
know, because everything has always been there, done that. And maybe there's a new restaurant or maybe there's, you know, a brewery that's going to be open. But, you know, we've got beer. And having done shows in other states with other teams, Miami Improv is different. We have an energy that I think um, other areas don't have. And it's not, you know, better or worse. It's just it's different. And I think that that's really cool. And that's something that could definitely be promoted. Well, Miami culture, I think, is also a very specific, you know, city vibe. And Mm -hmm. the kind of people you meet here are not... You know, I'm not the same as somebody that might have grown up in New York or, or D.C. or wherever. And so I think we, we really bring that vibe and that and, and how it feels for us here to our shows. And I think that's, that's really interesting. Uh, just a funny, uh, I came across it over and over again, that visitors from out of town would Google search yeah. what to do and comedy tonight, you know, things like that. And over and over again, uh, when I, if I had to uh, man the, the uh, box office, I'd ask him, how do you hear about us? I started to ask that question routinely, and I'd find, oh, we Google searched it. And then on the way out, hey, how'd it go? Because it was a new face. And over and over again, I was so pleased to find, oh, it was amazing. I had no idea you guys were here. That kind of thing is heard over and over again. So as you ask that, that basic question of, you know, what, what now in the Miami scene, I would love to see more promotion of it, which is to say, talk about it, social media, whatever. Uh, all of us, if it's just us students and, and uh, cast members would promote enough to have our friends and family show up to a show, whether it's ours or someone else's, it, it can become more of a, yeah, this is what we do on the weekend. This is one of the things we can do in Miami. Just like Charles was talking about, you know, going out, we've got lots of foodies. But yeah, sure, we've got beaches. Yeah, what else? Oh, we can do affordable, intimate, low-key, live theater any weekend in Miami. And it's, it's in a few different venues. You can't beat that. If that kind of experience yeah. is just amazing. And to know that the next time you show up, it's a completely different show every time. It's just beautiful. You know, I, I love to show up even as an audience member. Uh, I'm not above <laughs> laughing at these people in the room, but yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to see um, more diversity. I think, um, and I think there are groups and there are people um, who are making moves towards that, which I think is excellent. Um, so that's, I guess, my biggest like hope, wish, dream. Other than what everybody else already said. Yeah. I, I, I mean, there are very few times that I look around the room and find anyone else that looks like me. So I would definitely encourage anybody that wants to try it. Yeah. Which is Spanglish 
I kind of have to have Spanish and English, and I, I think that's a very... Um, I think they're the only ones to do that, right? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, yeah. It's very funny. It's a very accessible show. Um, if you, even if you don't speak Spanish, you definitely enjoy kind of half and half. Um, maybe you speak a little, or maybe you speak a lot. Um, I think those are the only three options. I've listed them all. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's, I mean, it's a great show, and I think it really kind of showcases something that, that we have here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it's a hilarious thing. Now, are there any expansion plans for the Society Circus players? Now, I'm not talking about uh, as far as the group membership goes, but as like, you know, programming or classes or just, you know, other things in order to expand the scope of the group. Well, once again, I'd like to thank you all for taking the time out to speak. 
And also just if people want to learn more about the Society Circus Players. Uh, you are online, of course. Um, just uh, drop your uh, social tags. Correct. We are online. You can find us on Facebook just by typing Society Circus Players. You can find us on Instagram at Society Circus, all one word. And uh, we have a website that will connect you to all that stuff, SocietyCircusPlayers.com. There you can find links to uh, our videos, our photos, upcoming shows, latest news, meet all of our players. There are bios there for all of us. Um, it's very entertaining, and our webmaster works very hard, keeping that page up to date and looking good. Our webmaster is Josh. <laughs> Got to get your money's worth. Oh, perfect. Perfect. So once again, Ali, Dash, Shar, and Carlos, thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with me. And I wish you much success in your endeavors as the group. And I hope that you keep knocking on doors to let people know that uh, improv in South Florida is here and people should definitely see it. Of course. Well, that was episode 29 of the Kevin Johnson program. Once again, thank you so much for taking the time out to to listen to us, to listen to the creatives here in South Florida. Once again, get to know the installments. You can find us on SoundCloud and Anchor under Kev John Pro. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Kev John Pro. And we look forward to seeing you at the next episode. Take care.